0: You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. we'll be having some other uh missionaries come in and 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 speak to us it's always incredible to hear once again that um how many of you know that god is moving not just in the united states but he's moving around the world amen and so hearing the testimonies and stories that missionaries have is just incredible but this morning we're continuing our series titled a move of god everybody say a move of god god is moving amen And I believe that we are positioned for such a time as this in our country to experience a move of God. As many of you know, the upcoming generation, Generation Z, you'll hear a lot of riffraff, a lot of different things said about them in the news. But there are also some really encouraging things. For example, you'll hear that they are the first biblically illiterate generation. Meaning you and I up to this point have had a common understanding that when everybody, somebody references Adam and Eve, we can recall because we have a basic understanding of biblical knowledge. With this generation, they do not have that. There are literally individuals in this generation that make up a majority who have no reference point for biblical stories or characters. This is an opportunity, friends, because this means that they get to hear the word of God with a fresh new perspective, amen? And so what you have to say, the message that you and I carry puts us in a position for God to move in our nation. I want to encourage you that as you hear different things from the media, as you hear different reports about Gen Z and the millennials, can I just encourage you to measure it according to how God sees them? Amen? I want to just encourage you that in 2020, as you step out, anytime you hear a false report or a negative report, can you spin that just for me and ask yourself the question, what would God have me do? Amen? And I promise you that as you begin to ask those questions in 2020, you'll experience a God. But this morning, I want to talk about the hope and courage that you and I carry on our shoulders by knowing God. You see, when you know God, you once again are putting yourself in a position to experience Him move. When God moves and you're in my life, hope is restored. When God moves and you're in our life, we walk in his promises. We walk according to his word. We're not walking around in kind of the mundane anymore. We're not walking around, nor should we be walking around with hopelessness. But we see all throughout scripture that when Jesus moves, things happen. When Jesus moves, lives are healed, lives are changed, so much so that individuals will literally sit down for a simple meal, a simple dinner with Jesus, and next thing you know, towards the end of the meal, they're talking about, Lord, I want to make it right with you. I see you as the Son of God. And we see this genuine relationship between Jesus and people. Anytime that Jesus moves in the area, things happen. This morning, I believe that Jesus, that God is calling us to a move. In 2020, that we need to be on the move. You see, friends, one of the things that you and I carry is eternal hope. And I feel like this is one of those principles. We, we talked a little bit about it last week. This is one of those principles that we hear all the time, so much so that we become numb to it. You know what I'm talking about? Have you, anybody else ever hear something over and over again, and you just kind of become numb, just goes over your head, Anybody? Just you, Pastor Dawn. Okay, cool. So with that, um, whenever we hear different things, I saw you, Joseph. I'm sorry, man. You, you raised your hand. Thanks for having my back. Uh, so with that, when God moves, things change. And I feel like when, when we as the church position ourselves with the understanding of the eternal hope that we carry, when we understand the gravity and the weight of the hope that you and I carry in eternity, I believe that that's when God is gonna begin to move us. Here's what I mean by that. There was an individual that I encountered not too long ago who's telling me this story and this is just a glimpse at the weight of eternity he said pastor i was going through a difficult time and and it was the most terrifying moments in my entire life where i went to the doctors and they came back and they said we're gonna have to run some tests he said and throughout this conversation with the doctor you know we began to discover that they believed that that i had cancer And he said, so waiting for the test results to come back, the next couple days, he said, it didn't matter what car I had. It didn't matter what house I lived in. It didn't matter what was in my retirement fund anymore. He said, nothing else in life mattered aside from the fact of who Jesus is to me. And friends, we have a generation that's coming up that has no understanding or knowledge that eternity isn't a thought on their radar. And you and I, carriers of hope, cannot risk the opportunity to reach a generation by becoming numb to the message that we carry. You and I are carriers of hope. And there's gonna come a point in time, the statistics are in, one out of every one person dies. Shocker, right? there's gonna come a point in everyone's life where we are faced with death. And it's in that moment where people are gonna begin to understand the reality of eternity. What are we doing as a church to position ourselves for a move like this? You and I carry hope. I said you and I carry hope in our everyday life. So this morning I wanna talk about this movement, this carrying. Let me just first start by saying this. A movement of God takes walking by faith. If you would turn with me this morning to Joshua chapter three. To experience a movement of God means that you and I step out into an uncomfortable area. It means that you and I step out into an area of the unknown where every step that we're taking, just want to preface it with, we are taking steps according to God's word. What we're doing aligns with his word. That's the measuring stick. But beyond that, whenever we walk by faith, we're ultimately walking into the unknown. We're taking risks. Taking a step by faith means that you trust and take risks for the cause of Christ, that he will meet you there and continue to guide you. To walk by faith means that you and I break out of the everyday mundane. Friends, you and I, if you are bored with Christianity, we are not doing it right. I said, if we're bored with Christianity, we're not doing it right. Christianity was designed to be activated, to be on the move, to be in motion and to be in motion means that you and I are taking steps of faith. To walk by faith means that you are put in uncomfortable positions trusting that Jesus will lead you through it. To walk by faith is extraordinary adventure and risk. To walk by faith means trusting in the Holy Spirit leading into the unknown and trusting in the Holy Spirit's conviction and compelling us to other things. When you and I walk by faith it means that You and I are living in a lifestyle of taking risks. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be bored with Christianity. I don't ever want to come to the place where I'm just kind of saying, you know what? Um, I'm not really sure where to go from here. I don't ever want to come to the place where I think that I know everything with Christianity. I've heard the gospel. I'm good. God has so much more for you. Joshua. Chapter three, verses nine through 16. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you to the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Par- uh, we're gonna skip over that one, the Gashuites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Mosquito Bites. I just wanted to see if you were paying attention See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the 12 tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. Pause. They're being called to walk by faith. Verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage during the harvest, and yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap for a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zethron. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Abra, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground. While all the Israelites passed by until the whole nation had completed and crossed the dry ground. They were called to take a step of faith. I just want to talk just for a moment have you ever felt the power of nature like have you ever stepped foot in the ocean and felt a current that was stronger than you back in pittsburgh there's this area it's a national park called ohio pile and there's many rivers at this area and when i was a youth pastor we would constantly take groups of teens Um, down to this river area, whether it was fishing or my favorite cliff jumping into an area of the river where there was this huge gnawed out area that was like, it was a swimming hole, so you could literally jump off of cliffs into this hole. And I remember we were swimming around, and a few of the teens went over to a waterfall area. And I'm not talking about anything that was like, you know, Niagara Falls. I'm saying like it was about, you know, probably six to seven feet high. But there was this area that was carved out behind the waterfall where you could kind of sneak back in. And there, was this, and there was this perfect area where we could kind of put our hands out. And it was amazing how this, this small river had so much power. In this area, you could really appreciate the power and the motion that was behind this river. We literally would put our heads out and it would almost take us straight down to the bottom. There is so much power and weight behind this. Friend, what I'm getting at is the power of a river at flood stage is not a wise choice to cross. Sometimes God calls us into things that don't make sense, nor do they seem wise at the time. Walking by faith. In this moment, the Israelites are walking by faith because they're walking into God's promise. The people took a step of faith and it led them to a never before experience. Friend, if you want to experience things with God that you've never experienced before, you have to do things that you've never done before. If you and I, if you and I truly believe that God has more and that we're on the brink of something and that we're, on the, you know, we're kind of standing on this platform of, God, I'm ready to discover more, then you also have to take into account that God is calling you to a place to take a step of faith to walk into these rivers was an unwise choice at the time. It wasn't practical or wise to cross the Jordan during flood stage, but God's word said otherwise. Stepping out in faith doesn't always seem convenient or reasonable. And I just wanna, I just wanna take a moment and, and just pause on this because sometimes we look at faith as this unbridled, reckless action. This was a wise choice on their end because they knew that God had told them to cross. When God's word says to do something, it might seem reckless to others, but as long as his word says to do it, it's actually the wise choice. Imagine the risk of taking what scholars believe was around a million or so people and crossing when their lives depend on you And being the leader, can you imagine showing up to that leader meeting? Hey guys, guess what? How do you explain that? Walking by faith is wise when it's according to God's word. There's a Christian professor, Caroline Tennant, who says this, We lose testimonies of his faithfulness when we do not take risks. We lose testimonies of his faithfulness when you and I do not take risks. Friend, I have to ask the harsh and yet real question. If an entire generation have steered away from church because they haven't seen people living out faith, what is the millennial generation Z observed us doing? I have to ask us the question, have we been taking risks? If we were to come and assess your household with your kids, say, of, of the testimonies of you stepping out in faith. When you and I do not step out in faith, there's a testimony that is lost. If Daniel had not continued to pray to God when ordered not to, he would not have seen the miracle of the lion's den. If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had not refused to step out in faith and worship God only and not worship an idol, they would never have experienced the miracle of Jesus being in the fire with them. If Esther had not risked her life by going to the king, she would have never seen the miracle of her people being rescued. Friends, you and I stepping out in faith means that there are lives that are on the, on the line. When you and I step out in faith, it doesn't just affect us and influence us, it influences the world around us. When you and I fail to step out in faith and take risks, we lose our testimony, friends. And the world looks at us and says they don't believe it because they're not a living according to it. Faith sometimes doesn't seem convenient, but it's necessary, not only for a movement of God, but for the sake of God moving you to places that you need to be in. Stories of faith require risk, but always result in seeing God move. Is it possible that we've lost a generation because they haven't observed a lifestyle that takes risks? And faith is risky. Take a step of faith, friend. What does that look like in our lives, in our context, right here, right now? What does taking a step of faith look like for you? Can I tell you that Years ago, God had called Kylie and I to take a step of faith, and it was not convenient because it dealt with finances. And this was earlier on in our marriage, and we didn't have a whole lot, and we didn't have a whole lot in savings. And yet we're at this service one night, and um, I'm leading worship for this service, and I feel like God says, I want you to give to the, there was an evangelist who was in at that time, and felt like God said I want you to give to to this ministry because evangelists I understand that there are TV evangelists who have a re- bad reputation for a reason but friends there are also legitimate evangelists who are living by faith and making a difference. And at this moment I um I was like okay God we will we'll give and and God gave me a number and I said are you sure? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "That that's going to take out uh, a decent amount of our savings, Lord. Why don't you think about it and get back to me? And then I was like, all right, my wife is never going to agree to this. So here's what I'm going to do. Lord, if she tells me the same number that you told me, we'll do it. I shouldn't have done that. And I'm standing there, and I'm smiling and happy because I had money in the bank. And I'm like, this is never gonna happen. And immediately after this service, Kylie comes up says, hey, I've been praying. I said, why? What did I tell you about that? She said, God gave me a number. I said, oh Lord Jesus. Honey, what was the number? And she said the exact same one that God gave me. And friend, this was a number that I, would ne- I wouldn't even spend this much on hunting. And I love hunting. And so we wrote a check. By faith. New married couple. I'm supposed to be the provider. And God's calling my number. And later that year, we hadn't seen much come back into the account because God likes to take his time on things. We all come to church and say these cute things in his timing. Shut up. Let me tell you the reality of that. I'm going to get an email about that comment. (laughs) And so, then we come to find out that at a church that we served at, there was a mistake with some payroll things. That we were going to get hit with taxes quite hard. Thousands, thousands, thousands. And I'm mad. I'm like, God, I thought you said, be careful whenever you start quoting God. And so people start giving Kylie and I checks. I felt the Lord telling me to give you this. And not only was that amount put back into our savings through random acts of kindness, But when tax season came around, that large chunk that we gave was counted as charitable giving. And we did not owe nearly as much as we thought we were. As a matter of fact, we barely owed anything. Friend, before the Israelites stepped into the water, scholars estimate that a few miles up the river it had been cut off for it to pile up here's where i'm getting at before they took the step of faith god had already marked out a way for it to happen god knew what the end of our year financially was going to look like and i can't imagine what we got to what we would have experienced during the tax season had we not taken that step of faith? Now, I'm not saying that taking a step of faith is always finances. Sometimes God puts you on an airplane to a missions trip, and the whole time you're saying, God, I don't know why I'm here. And then by the end of the missions trip, you're saying, Thank God. Friends, you and I cannot experience testimonies of his faithfulness. Come on, somebody. If you and I are not willing to get our feet wet, if you and I are not willing to get into that river saying God is a God of his promises, God is a God who keeps his covenant, come on, somebody. If you and I are not willing to step out of the boat like Peter did, then we can never experience what it is to walk on water, even if it's just for a few moments with Jesus. We lose our testimony when we start playing safe. God is calling us in 2020 to be a church who takes risks. That's beyond our understanding. That isn't convenient. That doesn't always make sense. But we have to take a step back and say, God, according to your word, I'm going to get my feet wet. Friend, if we want to experience a move of God in our nation, the church has got to be led by faith. Next, you are a movement of God. You are. You're the movement. One of God's gifts to the earth around us to help reach the lost is the gift of the church. The church is not this building, not this property. The church is you. You are a movement of of God. God used the Israelites, His people, to demonstrate faithfulness, whatever you want, godly lifestyle living. He used the Israelites to represent a separated life from the world around us. And friends, that's that, that didn't just end in the old testament. God is still using his church to influence and show nations around, counties around, towns around those churches, what it is to live and walk by faith in a real God. Where he moved, they were an influence to those people. Where he moved his people, they influenced other people. That's the way that it works. Jesus used his disciples to teach others. And then his disciples experience this incredible thing called Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit empowers us for what? Movement. George McLeod, founder of a ministry, said this, Christ is a person to be trusted, not a principle to be tested. The church is a movement, not a meeting house. The faith is an experience, not an exposition. Christians are explorers, not map makers. It is a present experience made possible at Bethlehem, offered on Calvary, and communicated at Pentecost. He says the church is a movement, not a meeting house. I heard one day in a young man's rap solo. He said, the church is a hospital for the broken, not a museum for the righteous. Friends, he must have been 18 or 19 years old. Why did he say those words? Why did he include that in his songs? Are we walking by faith? Are we his movement? John 14, 12 says this. Very truly I tell you that whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. When we study this scripture in its context, we're led to believe that what Jesus was referring to was greater as in beyond where he had done ministry. Greater and more as in all over the world. Greater and Because you and I, he was about to enable. Christ was always on the move, friends. Worship team, would you come? You know that it's estimated that Christ walked over 21,000 miles in his life ministry. In his public ministry alone, Just in his public ministry, he walked more than 3,000 miles. If Christ taught us just a few fundamental principles that we could pull from, one of those is that he has called us and designed us as the church to be on the move. I feel like in our church context, sometimes we pray kind of passively. And, and here's, here's what I mean by that. In the English language, there's active verbs and there's passive. Active makes it personal. It says, I'm the one doing the work. Passive means somehow it happened. For example, my toddler's really good at passive. I'll hear a crash in the other room and I it cadence. It fell. it just fell. It fell, no, and this is kind of like the stage of life that she's in right now is, is she's figuring out what do I take responsibility for and what do I just say kind of happened. And so our days are filled with random noises happening around the house and calling on her, giving her the opportunity to make it active and say, I dropped this, I pushed this, And sometimes she gets it right, and other times it just so happened to fall. And friends, in our prayer language, we sometimes get caught up in this passive prayer. Lord, would you move, start a revival without ever thinking, God, start a revival in me. God, move me. We take on this kind of passive persona where where it's God's responsibility to do it. And friends, can I just say that to an extent, there's nothing wrong with that because there are things that only God can do and we have to entrust that. That's what I'm saying. But I am saying that a lot of what Jesus taught us is to take action and take responsibility. What would the church look like if we were, being, if we were willing to be the answers to the prayers that we prayed? What would our country look like if the church stopped saying, okay, God, you know, just go ahead and handle this. And we took on kind of an Isaiah mentality. Here I am, Lord, send me. You are a move. You and I are designed to move. And friends, the, the days of showing up at, at church and just kind of keeping seats warm, they're gone. That time has come to an end. And there is an opportunity that the church is faced with in the United States that we have never in history encountered. And that's generations looking at us right here, right now, as we claim the title, Christian. They're looking to us to claim the lifestyle. You and I. Are a movement. That's why Jesus said, Greater things than these will you do, because he anticipated us. There was an assumption in the way he talked that you would go into all the earth. You are a movement. I'm a movement. You're a movement in your workplace, in your household, in your neighborhood, in your everyday. You are a movement of God. Friends, we have to come to a point where we stop praying for a movement of God and understand that He is looking to move us. We have got to stop looking to others to accomplish. Well, the missionaries will reach them, Pastor. You're a missionary. I'm not a pastor, I don't have credentials. Majority of the church in the Bible, they weren't credential holders either. That's cool. There's gotta come a point, friend, where we have to be willing to take up action, responsibility, and be his hands and feet. Stop praying for a movement to happen in the United States. It's one thing for us to pray for hearts to be open. But it's another to just say, God, go ahead and handle this. When he says, I've called you. I'm not here to shame anyone. I'm not here to guilt anyone this morning. But friends, with seven years in full-time youth ministry, sitting next to the bedside Hospital of students who've tried to take their lives. Looking at students who their version of home is whoever will let them sleep on a couch that night. And having personal contact with this generation and you can hear it in their tone of voice. The words prove it. If God is such a help to you, prove it. If God is your everything, then let me see everything taken away from you and still say that. They're looking for legitimacy and friends, we're running out of time. A move of God means a missional advancement of the gospel. A move of God means a missional advancement of the gospel. A move of God is not just in church, friends. Hear me, please, if this is the only thing you hear me say today. A move of God does not just happen in the church, it occurs through the church. What we experience here on Sunday morning should not be confined to this time and this space. What we experienced tonight at our worship gathering should not be confined to this time and space. The church was intended for movement to not just be confined to us, but for us to be the mode of transportation for God to move in the world around us. Are you hearing me this morning? You and I are a movement. And a movement in its heart means that the gospel is being advanced, that the gospel is being talked about. Friend, do we know how to share our testimonies? It's a basic fundamental to what we believe. Do you and I, if we were to sit down with people who don't know Jesus, how would we tell them? In the story of... The story of the Israelites crossing the Jordan. I want to point out this fact. A new generation crossed over into God's promise because of the faith led example and obedience of an older generation. A younger generation moved into the promise of God because of the example of a faith led life of the leadership, the elders. Now, hear me, an entire generation was turned. As a matter of fact, in the next chapter, in verses 14 and 15, it says that the Israelites' faith in God of their ancestors was renewed. Did you hear what I just said? Their faith in the God of their ancestors, those who had gone before them, their parents, their grandparents, and so on, their faith in that God had been renewed through this event. Here's what I'm saying. The generations around us aren't lost. They're just a little confused. They're looking for an example, friend, and the time is now. What we experience here is not meant to stay here. It's meant to go outside of these walls. It's another way of saying a younger generation turned back to God. And friends, my God is a covenant-keeping God. And if he did it for them, he can do it now. We have to be missional. That's another polite way of saying intentional about sharing the gospel. sometimes we miss opportunities to step out in faith because we're just waiting. We use that timestamp of in God's timing as an escape hatch out of responsibility. It's just not God's timing. Why don't we test that? Why don't we test if it's his timing rather than just saying, I don't think so. Friends, sharing our testimony is so simple. Who we were before Christ, how we came to know him, and who we are now. That's it. Who we were before we knew Jesus, who, how we found him, and who we are now. Those three, three, three things. Before, how we came to find him, and now. And we overcomplicate this. We get freaked out We feel like we have to use this crazy, I was going down the highway and God punched me in the face. And I heard a voice of the archangel say, Donnie. It's as simple as this is who I was before I knew Christ. This is how I came to find Christ. And this is who I am now. And friend, it has to be intentional. I cannot emphasize this enough as we conclude. It's got to be intentional. We can't just kind of wait for safety to happen. You've got to get your feet wet. You've got to walk into it. So let me ask you, as we close this morning, what does walking, what does stepping out in faith look like in your life context right here, right now? What's the big thing You're just kind of like, I I don't, and and can I just say, if you say, pastor, I really don't know, that's an amazing place to be. If you're here today and you say, I don't know what what God's calling me to, can I just say that that's my favorite stage that God brings us through sometimes? Because his word says to test all things and see that they are true, meaning test it according to his word. So here's what I'm saying. If you're in that place, you get to test things out. The worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to come back with an answer no pastor it wasn't for me awesome now we get to test the next thing according to his word that is a beautiful stage to be in but this morning let me ask you this if you do know what is that thing and friend i just want to close with this point You retire from a lot of things here on earth. You retire from jobs. You retire. Sometimes parents, you kind of retire from that position or at least pull back and now you're into the grandparent position where you get to torture your kids like my parents do. Where you get to load up those grandkids on sugar and send them home. But one of the things that you will never retire from if you are living and breathing right now, God has more. You will never retire from taking up action and being a movement of God. Amen? And isn't that just the goodness of God? That all the days of our lives, we never have to worry about running into a wall where God's like, okay, I'm cutting you off here. This is as far as we go. But isn't that just the goodness of God that day after day, he has more. He has an area for us to grow in. Would you stand to your feet? This year in 2020, and this is kind of a vision statement for Crossroads Community Church. Hear me out before we pray. We are going to be a church that is on the move. I promise you that. I believe that God is calling us as C3 Church to move. And I want to see God use us this year on a more local level. In 2021, I want to start planning some overseas missions trips. It's time. It's time for us to get out of our comfort zone, to get out of the cultural context of what we've known. It's time for us to get uncomfortable because, with great risk, there is great reward. When you step out in faith, I'm telling you, the testimony that God gives you is unlike anything you've ever experienced. If you want to experience the faithfulness of God, you got to step out in faith. It's a testimony that can't be bought has to be earned so this year in 2020 we're going to be a church that is moving towards what God has for us building community doing what I refer to as in-house outreaches where we do events here reaching those around us and can I just say that I'm still in a buzz for what God did here on Christmas Eve come on somebody For those of you who weren't here on Christmas Eve, we had over 150 people walk through our doors. More so than that, there were salvations that happened that night. From young and older generations across the room, people came to know Jesus. That's not where God is cutting us off at, though, C3. He has more. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you so much, Lord Jesus, that not only did you call us to movement, but you sent your son, Jesus, to exemplify what it is to be moving in accordance to God, to be moving with God. You you sent your son to kind of give us this map, this outline on what we should do, how how we should live. And Lord, we thank you so much that you've not only called us, but you've equipped us. So God, I pray That here this morning, that as we walk out of this place, that we will understand and get a hold of that reality that we are a movement of your presence, that we are carriers of your presence, that where we go, you are sending us, you are going with us, you are preparing the way before us. God, help us to get our feet wet. I pray that 2020 would be a year where at the end of this year, we have testimony after testimony of people who come and say, Pastor Don, I don't understand it. I took this step out of faith and this is what God did. Lord, we understand that we can't claim to be faith driven, to be walking by faith if we aren't actually walking into unknown. So Lord Jesus, help us to take risks. Help us to be a church that is relentless, that has the heartbeat that you gave us, which is a heart for the lost. Help us, God, to be a movement in our county, in our state, in our nation, in our world, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be your hands and feet in Jesus' name. Mike is going to lead us in this last worship song. I wanna encourage you just take a few moments and I I don't want you to leave here without an answer. What does your movement of faith look like right now? And just a preface to that story about my my wife and I with with our tithing, before we got married, I was not a tither, shocker. And uh, one of the stipulations that my wife made when we got engaged She said, I cannot marry you unless you tithe. And part of the reason is because Kylie, and I just got to give credit to my wife, she experienced when she was a teenager what it was to give more than what you thought you had and see results of God using us. And friends, once again, I use finances because it's something that I held on to. I'm not giving a financial lesson. Receive your blessing today. Give to C3 Church. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is movements of faith sometimes look like having uncomfortable conversations in our workplace. Movements of faith looks like calling up those family members that we haven't talked to in a while and having that conversation. Hey, tell me about your church background. How were your holidays? Did you attend a Christmas Eve service? Could I tell you about mine? It looks like having those uncomfortable conversations. It looks like doing those acts of kindness that are not convenient. Taking a step of faith takes on many forms, but here's what I do know. I don't know what it looks like for each and every one of us, but I know that it's something that God is calling us to as a church. Amen? So during this song, I want to encourage you. Let us reflect and ask the question, if you're ready to take risk, God, what does my next step of faith look like? Mike, would you lead us? And then I'll close us out. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.